Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Having just wrapped up Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I feel the need to mention before we get started on this conversation with my guest, Liz Merrill, that there are times when mediation during divorce makes ultimate sense or mediation between people who were never married but who have high conflict. And there are definitely times when it it can be dangerous or completely ineffective. And so when one person holds all the control and is coercive or abusive, frankly, emotionally or psychologically, it doesn't make sense to try to navigate mediation in those circumstances. And it can really backfire against the person who has little to no control. So with that said, like with all of my podcast guests, I want you to listen and enjoy with an open mind because there are plenty of people who can benefit from the amazing work that people like Liz Merrill are doing. And then there are others who need a referral to a hotline to be able to get some information and support about their relationship if they're feeling unsafe. Thanks for being here. Today, I am so honored to bring you another Liz in your life. Today's guest is Liz Merrill, and I've enjoyed speaking with her. She's a certified divorce mediator, a divorce coach. Did you even know that existed? And she lectures regularly on high conflict relationships and divorce. She worked in the nonprofit industry for 30 years, but after a personal experience, she decided to take a different direction and help people going through divorces. And if if you're a listener and you've never been through one, good for you, but you should know that it is truly one of life's most dreadful processes. And often it does not have to be. It just doesn't have to be. It's so true. It's so true. And so having someone who can help navigate that turbulent process is so important. And also to see, have a greater picture and some objectivity to look at who's, how can we make both people win? So Liz, welcome. Please tell, tell the listeners how you got into a little bit about you and how you got into this interesting career. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really love talking to people and I've really loved getting to know you a little bit. Um, so yeah, so my background is, um, is in, is not in law and it's not in um, psychology. I worked in nonprofits for most of my life and interestingly also have played professionally as a musician in orchestras since I was a kid. So, um, so obviously I haven't been doing a lot of that since COVID, but like you said, I had a, um, I had an experience um, of being married to someone who would definitely be categorized as high conflict. We were married for 20 years. We have three kids and it was very, very challenging, very difficult. I learned a lot as I was going along. I, I was very um, convinced that if I just tried harder, if I was a better mother, if I argued less, if I you know just agreed to everything, if I tried to be a better wife, if I went to more therapy, I could fix our relationship and I could fix this person I was married to. Um, 
And I don't know if you've had this experience. I feel like a lot of people have, have gotten to the point where they realize you can't actually change other people, even if you try really hard. Right. Um, but I realized I couldn't do that. And that really hit home when one day my girls came to me together, actually, and independently all around the same time and said, Mom, we, we really want to, we think we should leave. We think that you guys should get divorced. We don't feel comfortable here and this isn't good for us. Wow. I know. I know. And that was like a kick in my gut. It was, it was a shock because I thought that I was being brave. I thought that I was, you know, being heroic by trying to stay for the kids, as they say, and, and try to make it work. And I realized that I wasn't and I needed to leave and I needed to get off my little hiney and do something about our situation, even though I was really afraid. I was afraid of backlash. I was afraid of cost. I was afraid of losing my kids somehow sure. in the court process because I had heard of that happening. But I did. I, I put all of our stuff into grocery bags um, or garbage bags and took them down to an Airbnb. And then I went to the courthouse and filed my papers. I just did it. And, and then started this dreadful process that you referred to, which is a million times worse if you're going through a high conflict divorce. And a lot of people are. Um, there are a lot of people out there that I talk to who, who, who are having some version of the same experience that I had. So, so that was, that was a horrible process. Um, it could have been so much worse, but it was very expensive and it took a really long time. And, and we, we finally worked through things and my kids are with me and right now, you know, God willing, I still have a, you know, or I have again, a decent co-parenting relationship with their dad. And, you know, and we talk and the kids go over there when it seems, you know, a good fit for everybody, but we've managed to stay out of court post-decree, which is amazing. And the kids are kind of growing and developing and they, you know, and they have a relationship with him sort of on their terms. Um, and and it's worked out. It's worked out really well. And that's really what started my interest in mediating because ironically, for someone who really hates divorce or um, conflict, I, I really like helping people with conflict. And I think that's probably because I had to learn so much about conflict resolution throughout my career and nonprofits and through my marriage. And, um, and then when I started doing divorce mediation, what I discovered was that there are a lot of people who are in these high conflict divorces and most court systems are not designed to meet the special needs of people who are in that situation. So a lot of times people end up feeling overwhelmed, fe feeling even more overwhelmed, e you know, even scared or um, having to defend themselves against things that aren't true. I mean, there's, you know, this is something that I could talk about a lot, but it's really become my passion to support people. Usually they're women, but men too, sometimes um, who need help navigating that divorce process and, and need, you know, support before they file, because there are a lot of things you can do to prevent things from getting really, really escalated, or at least, soften those, um, escalations. Um, so there, there are like things that you can do in all kinds of ways to get yourself ready and to know how to prepare and to educate yourself and know what to expect. Um, 
And I, I kind of feel like early intervention is, is hugely helpful. And I had wished that I had that. I didn't have that. I didn't have an attorney who knew anything about high conflict, narcissist, borderline personality disorders. The other attorney didn't seem to, the judge, you know, I mean, they're not trained for that. So yeah, that's a, that's a short version of, uh, <laughs> of how I got to where I am now. That is so terrific because you went through an experience and you realized that your experience could benefit other people. If you got the training for it, that you could help people not, um, absolutely decimate one another in the divorce process. And I think so often when someone files for divorce, maybe there's been cheating or maybe there's been gambling or there's been some precipitating incident that often leads to someone finally throwing down the gauntlet saying, I'm, I'm doing this. And it does not necessarily bring out our most civil side. We're not always at our best when we're making those big decisions. And so having someone objective who can look long-term at the good of both people ideally is really, really helpful. I will say as a former domestic violence advocate and domestic violence victim, there are times where mediation can be very dangerous. And so I think it's, you know, you having that great training can be important because you'll spot the unsaid. If there is a power differential where one person has no power in the relationship, the other person has it all. And the person without power is unlikely to share all of those details with you, but you can see it in your office. That can be a really dangerous thing for people to have mediation because mediation does presume that both people eventually get to a place where they want to do the reasonable thing that's right. And so I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I second that. I, um, And that's one of the reasons why I started also doing coaching was because I would get phone calls from women who were in emotionally or financially or physically abusive relationships. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to support both of the parties neutrally. Um, And I could tell like before even getting into a room to mediate that that was they were probably not good candidates for that. Right. Um, For all the reasons that you mentioned. And so so I I like being able to offer support to individuals as well um, as they are going through this, because like I said, you know, attorneys, they're not therapists. A therapists aren't attorneys. A, a divorce coach kind of meets them in between and helps helps them manage their expectations, helps prepare them, and you know, and understand the the laws. Helps prepare them for court if they have to go to court, you know, and and ways that they can keep themselves safe and keep you know some boundaries that feel comfortable. Um, but also being sensitive to the fact that they 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 are likely or possibly um, trying to disengage from somebody who really, really doesn't want that. And, and as you know, that, that when you try to pull away, that can be when they're the most violent. Right. So making sure that people have access to resources, that they, that they have support, that they, you know, have a safety plan, they have all of these things sort of in place and making sure that they are able to, to some degree, emotionally regulate themselves so they don't um what's the what's the phrase bite no 
shoot their foot, shoot themselves in the right, foot. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because a blow up for from a victim can can be turned around to make them look like the violent party. Right. Um, so it's it's a really it's a fine line to walk and it's I, I you know, I like you said, that was something that I lived for a long time. A long time. That phrase walking on eggshells is so apt because that's what I felt like we were all doing. Um, especially when there were high, you know, like sort of manic phases. Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary, you know, and you how, get used to it. How old were your daughters when they had that intervention sort of with you to say, mom, you should consider leaving? They were in elementary school. Oh my. Mm-hmm. They were oh old my. enough to sort of, yeah, to see what was going on. And they, I think, yeah, I think they were almost into middle school, but they were, were scared and they were tired of it and they didn't want to live with that tension anymore. And I, they're very intuitive and they are, we're very close. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that sometimes and sometimes not because, you know, sometimes it's a little too much, but you know, they, they <laughs> always, <laughs> they've always felt comfortable and, you know, and telling me what they thought was wrong, especially in their lives at home. Good. Um, yeah. Good. So I, I, I feel really lucky about that. I feel like a lot of us, uh, when we were thinking about getting married in our lives, made that commitment. I will, you know, stay in this until I die. This is not going to be a marriage that results in divorce, especially with kids, because we've all been told how harmful divorce can be on children and all of the things. But then later studies went on to prove how difficult it is for children to navigate a horrible home life that the term a broken home is not necessarily about people who've been divorced, but what's going on in the home and kids don't need to hear or be exposed to someone walking on eggshells. They don't, it's not healthy. So I just love that you've been able to listen to your daughters and then navigate a situation that's tricky, but that you got into a healthful co-parenting situation. I mean, that speaks volumes to a big commitment and good, good for your daughter's health to see this. Totally, totally. Because what I, um, what I feared and I, I think what is something that still lingers and that we're all trying to figure out is like having, having my behavior modeled as a sort of a codependent or, you know, as, as someone who is constantly in this fawning mode, you know, of like trying to appease, trying to smooth, trying to make everything right, and then trying to um, sort of segregate them from, you know, from what was happening, like, especially when he got scary, you know, like, literally, I, I, I'll never forget hiding in the closet with one of my girls, because she couldn't regulate her emotions. And she was triggering him. And I'm like, we, yeah, and there were other times when I just had to take them and leave the house. Um, and you know, looking back on that, or I think anyone who hasn't been through that experience can look at that and say, well, how, what the, what's your problem, lady? Why don't you just up and leave? But the fact is, and that's why it's so hard to leave, is you get in this sort of trauma bond is what it's called, where you, um, you're conditioned to that. And that's, you know, there's, there's neuro wiring in your brain and, and all kinds of chemicals that are pumping around that, um, 
are that look almost like an addiction is my understanding. And it's really, really, really hard. Plus, you know, all the mental stuff, like if I just work harder, I'll just try harder. I, you know, cause you, usually there's something in your relationship that still keeps you together. Right. And I still miss hanging out with him the way we used to, we used to do a lot of fun things together. Um, mm-hmm. And that I, I, you know, I didn't want to leave that. And it's hard to explain when you're in it. Um, but that's one of the things that I, that I go through with people I work with is their struggle to actually really finally make the decision mm-hmm. to really pull the trigger. And like you said, sometimes there's like one incident, but that incident isn't like a standalone. Usually, usually right. it's like, do you know, like when the tectonic plates are moving together and all of a sudden a volcano erupts, it's not like that just happened out of thin air. There were things under the surface moving along. Right. And it was just that, like, you know, the hair that broke the camera, the straw that broke the I'm mixing my metaphors all over the place. <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, I remember someone telling me once when I was in an abu- my one and only abusive marriage, but, uh, or marriage, but, you know, you will only, you are the only one who will know when it's time to leave. You know, you will be the person who decides when it's time. There will come a day where it becomes very clear to you and don't let someone push you on either direction. The other thing, of course, as a as someone heavily involved in domestic violence presentations and things like that is emotional abuse in a relationship. And anytime if you're scared and you were in a closet, I mean, there is emotional abuse going on in the relationship. Even that becomes can be very violent when someone chooses to leave. And so yeah. it really is important to be able to talk to for someone going through an emotional, physical, or whatever, any kind of abuse, to be able to talk to someone who can help them safety plan in addition mm-hmm. to figuring out what's next. You know, ideally, a, a domestic violence advocate is not someone to talk you into or talk you out of staying or leaving, but they listen, bring up good points, and work on safety planning because that can really be explosive in the middle yeah. of a relationship like that when you decide to leave. And yeah. it's great oh. that yours was. I just love that yours landed, eventually landed better. You know, yeah. That, it, I it, could have, it could have gone in any number of different directions. And, and the one thing that I am grateful for was that I was able to see that I couldn't do it by myself. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that I was, it, it felt really weird for me to call a domestic violence hotline mm-hmm. and to talk to people in local um, organizations that support victims, because I felt like I was like, they wouldn't believe me. I felt like a fraud or I felt like they would say, is he beating you? No. Then what's your problem? <laughs> right. uh, do you know what I mean? And, yes. and, and I felt like that's for other people. That's not for me. Right. Um, and it was a sort of a pride thing. Um but they're they're there because they they're they're there to support any you know all of these different kinds of violence, um, and help help guide and help provide other resources whether it's legal or emotional, and the the places that that were here were great you know and I'm really grateful for them. But I also you know I I had to take out a loan from my parents to hire an attorney. Because I recognized that I was I I needed an attorney, and it's ironic because a big part of what I do is trying to help couples avoid litigation and avoid attorneys if they can. 
But sometimes you need an attorney. Right, right. Sometimes you really need that. It's like you said, especially when there's a big power differential or, you know, like in terms of, of all different kinds of power, financial power, you know, um, physical power, whatever. Um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of times it's very appropriate to have an attorney. So I, you know, I had an attorney and I had a, a therapist and I had family and friends and I had to like really swallow, like I said, my pride and, and my fear so that I could tell people um, about what was happening and ask for them to support me. And I, I really hope that if anybody is listening, they have somebody who can help them connect to resources help, you know, help them find education if they need that, navigate the, you know, the police system, the law enforcement system, because sometimes it really makes a lot of sense to file a restraining order. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Good advice. Very good advice. When did you know that you, like, was there a, a certain moment when you knew that this could turn into a career where you helped others, your experience? I had been thinking about doing something around mediation for a while. Um, but as I was going through my own divorce and we went through mediation, it was the most expensive two hours I think I'll ever have because it was two attorneys and mediator, you know, the paralegal, the whoever was in there staffing the office. It was, it was so stressful and it was horrible and it didn't help me at all. Like you, like you said, it's not always helpful. And we did it because it was required by the court, as it often is. Um, but that didn't prevent me from seeing its value. Um, in fact, I it, it showed me even more clearly what it could do and how helpful it could be um, for, for certain situations. And not just in divorce. I do a lot of like small claims court um, cases and civil cases or probate cases, because really what it is, it's about a relationship. It's about communication. It's about two parties coming together, even if they're in conflict and brainstorming solutions that work for both of them. Because when they are able to do that and that's able, even if they don't resolve everything, anything that they resolve can then be written up into a court order and, you know, and taken to court. And that, and that way you are um, preventing a judge from making that decision for you. Sure. Because very often the judge is not going to give you the um, ruling that you want. Right. And that, that's something that I, I try to remind people of is who, especially like in small claims court or things like that, they're like, I want to see the judge. I want my day in court. And they think that they know how it's going to end and it's going to be fair and it's going to be like a TV show. And the fact of the matter is there's just no guarantee. Um, whereas if you work collaboratively with somebody, even if you're fighting, you're probably both going to walk away better. Um, you know, the chances are than you, than your chances in court, unless it's pretty clear cut, but it's hard to know. I mean, even if you know the laws, you don't know how a magistrate's going to interpret the laws. So right. that is a very good point. And I mean, it would be so perfect if when people were engaging in any kind of breakup, even if they weren't married, if they could take a step back, if they had someone to help them take a step back to see how are you transformed by this relationship, whether you learn from the negative 
that went on in the relationship or some of the most wonderful things that went on in the relationship and not think of it as a fail if it ends, but rather an education and part of life's journey. And uh, I mean, that would be so amazing. Sometimes in my job in juvenile probation, you know, parents were always invited to the table if their kids weren't detained and, and you know, first, if, if they committed a lower level crime where they weren't going to be in a jail sort of a situation at juvenile hall, then we would invite parents to the table to have a discussion about what happened with the child. And sometimes we'd get divorced parents and not that did not always turn out well. Sometimes they brought their, their new partners, new girlfriend, new whatever, mm-hmm. and it became a battle, which is so sad for the kids. But there were sometimes where we could see the most respectful interactions between people who used to be together, but who still valued and cherished raising their child. So no matter what happened in the past, that was the focal point. And we saw that it was like, we just practically want to stand up and give a standing ovation. It was Mm -hmm. so beautiful. So beautiful because people were mature enough to grow beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I see a lot of um, instances in post-decree cases where they want to go back and change the parenting time, which is pretty normal, or someone's getting freaked out about money and they want to change the child support, or or they just cannot have a conversation about pickup times. Do you know what I mean? And so right. instead of instead of kind of trying to find a solution to, to, to work around their communication difficulties. They just file a motion with the court. Right. And the first thing the court does in most instances is go to mediation. You know what I mean? And, and I've seen cases where, as you describe, where the parents are like, we hate each other. We don't like what each other is doing, but we recognize that what's at stake here is the best interests of the children. And right. not us and our issues. And so, you know, they're able to make concessions and, may, and able to make um, collaborative decisions, even if they don't feel like it's in their best interest. So that, um, yeah, so that they don't have to go to court. And then, you know, in an ideal world, they also leave with some ideas or some tools or some tricks or a plan of how they're going to communicate so that it doesn't escalate. And I don't get follow-up from these parties, but I like to imagine them, you know, um, improved in their, in their ability to deal with co-parenting conflicts because it's, it's huge and it's ongoing as, as you know, you don't stop becoming a parent. Right. When you get divorced and the other party doesn't either usually, unless they're like, there's something extreme going on. Um, you you always need to know how to communicate and just get along. <laughs> so yes, yes, I yeah. love it. Well, I think that's terrific. It sounds like you have created a wonderful, meaningful career based on some experiences and filling gaps that you found existed. And I think that's terrific. Your dog is in total agreement with me. Yes. 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 I second that motion. (laughs) I'm really, I love that though. I really do. I, I'm going to put in show notes. And of course 
we're recording this at the end of July, but it won't be released for a while yet. But I'm going to put in show notes also people to understand like a little link in case they're wondering, is their relationship abusive or not? But uh, because that might be a different kind of a service they need, but definitely where can people contact you to get either coaching or mediation? Uh, I'll want sure. to put that in show notes as well. So just give us your website if you would. Yep. It, my my business is called Open Space Mediation. Oh, I So love that. my website is openspacemediation.com. So terrific. I just think what you're doing is amazing. And I'm really glad that it's turned out well for you as, in addition. Thank you. Are the girls, I, are your daughters happy with how things have come? With yeah, parents? they are. Good. You know, I mean, they are not unscathed. And right. That, sure. that could be a whole other conversation. Sure. You know, um, they're still dealing with their own experiences in their own way. They each, you know, a have twins and, and even the twins are like completely like different in the way that this has impacted them both, po- both positively and negatively. And my third daughter, um, again, totally different experience. And I, I, I wish they didn't have that, but then again, that's part of their journey, you know, it's part of building who they are and they are, you know, they're teenagers. So they're happy one minute and grumpy the next, but by and large, they are, they're very well adjusted and happy. And, um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm glad they were able to sort of see what, what that looked like honestly, like, okay, here's, here's something horrible. I'm going to have to do something that's really scary. Right. Let's do it. Um, give, give me what you got. Tell me what you think. Right. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was entirely collaborative, but I did want to know what their thoughts were on things. Right. They understood that they were feeling like they, mm -hmm, they were burdened by a decision. Right. Or that it was their fault. And they definitely don't think that's up. Good. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's wonderful. Fantastic. Well, I'm thrilled to have had you today, Liz. Thank you. Thank you so much. This just went by so quickly. It did. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.